So today's episode is going to be a bit different than usual. I recently had the chance to be a guest on the We've Got a Problem podcast with Andrew Wallace, where we talked about ways to get unstuck and build the business you were born to create. Andrew was gracious enough to give me the green light to share this conversation here on the Work Self Life podcast with you. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and please go ahead and check out the We've Got a Problem podcast. You can find the links to Andrew's show in the show notes. Here we go. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, and welcome to the We've Got a Problem podcast, where each week we explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and solutions to prevalent problems and how our guests have turned a problem into an opportunity. This week, I'm joined by Marcus Schaller, entrepreneur, marketer, coach to other entrepreneurs and freelancers, and now a fellow podcaster helping people get unstuck and build the business they were born to create. Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm very, very excited to be here with you. Yeah, so this is awesome. I, I every once in a while I get to talk to somebody else who has a podcast or is trying to do the, some of the same things, but but in a different sphere than than I am. And it's always mm-hmm. great to get a chance to talk. Give us a little bit of your background. How did you get your start? What's your kind of story? Got it. Well, I my entrepreneurial uh, adventure started back in the mid '90s. Around so there, I was uh, inspired initially by Richard Branson, like many people. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, didn't realize how high that might be shooting, but uh, it got me started. And um, why not? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, he was somebody I could relate to in business, which was not typical for me at the time. I kind of came from a music kind of like you know heavy metal drummer background kind of thing. So I wasn't really uh, you know thinking of the corporate route, but uh, you know, he's just somebody who really interests me in his story and, and just the creativity of it. <clears throat> So my actual first business really was in in personal fitness. I was a a personal trainer. Um, It got that got me interested in marketing more out of necessity than anything else. I had no real marketing background or sales background prior to that. And, you know, when you need clients, you you either figure out marketing and sales or you you just do something else quickly. So um, I found out pretty quickly that I was actually more interested in marketing than I was in fitness. And uh, so I did you know, one of many pivots in my career and uh, started doing workshops in New York City, where I'm from originally in that area, uh, wrote a book for McGraw, you know, actually self-published it and it got published by McGraw-Hill back in, I think, 2006. Um, so, you know, just kind of this adventure starting with, you know, helping other, at that point, very small business owners and solopreneurs, even prior to that word existing, um, with essentially their branding and their marketing and how do they attract clients, all that. And that evolved into more recently doing copywriting work and and messaging strategy for larger companies. So a lot of B2B SaaS technology, mm-hmm. um, some agency work, things like that. So now kind of bringing us to, you know, post-pandemic 2000, beginning of 2023, um, Really, my career is a mix of both, right? So I do freelancing, uh, the the marketing, messaging, consulting, uh, strategy, and copywriting stuff that I do for companies and agencies. And then now just recently started this Work Self Life podcast, which you just mentioned, and the coaching that goes with it, and kind of going back to my coaching roots. Um, so that's where I'm at now. Got it. So, I mean, the, the you know, one of the... One of the things that fascinates me about your podcast and actually about just the coaching idea in general is 
how to get people unstuck. Mm. And that, I think, is a perennial theme in all of this. I'm certainly trying to solve it on mine. Haven't mm. gotten there yet, dear mm. listener. But the, the you've just completed a four-part series. I don't know if you've actually completed it. You've just posted four parts of a series on fear of rejection. Mm. And one of those things was overcoming limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. which I think is a much broader theme than in, in in just fear of rejection because there are a lot of things that hold us back what uh what would you say are the the the, the big hurdles holding people back i mean what else is is keeping people from from thriving with your clients and the people that you've seen yeah no that's a great question and i'll start with my own personal perspective i can't speak for you know everybody else of course but i can tell you from my own experience um the thing that held me back the most in my life, in my career, it kept me stuck was fear, was fear mm-hmm. of rejection, uh, was limiting beliefs. And back around 2015, there was a, a personal kind of family issue that kind of like sh- just shook my whole world, right? So I, up until then, I had been able to kind of <laughs> get by the way I had been and avoid a lot of the real scary stuff, let's put it that way. <laughs> and and then and this event in 2015 just took that off the table. So uh, I had to grow up real fast. And this was in my 40s at this point. So there was a, some arrested development there when it comes to dealing with uncomfortable feelings and fear and all that. So I speak from personal experience, everything that I uh, talk about on the podcast and write about and this is all from my own having lived it, right? right? This is not theoretical in the sense of just pulling it from some books. And so uh, what kept me stuck was, uh, you know, the, you mentioned this, the limiting beliefs, but kind of the accompanying, um, you know, in yoga, they call them some skaras. So, you know, one of the things I started learning back at that time was was meditation and learning about yoga and mindfulness. And and what I learned was a lot of the things that were holding me back were just these conditioned, whether you want to call them beliefs in, in, a, in a kind of cerebral sense or even just in our body, right? Mm-hmm. So we experience there's a trigger, uh, something in our life that we're facing. It's an it's a obstacle, whatever it is. And it triggers us and we feel what we feel. Like for me, it's right in my chest, right? It's just right. like this dread, right? <clears throat> and so there's that and the accompanying beliefs, which are these stories, right? That, that we just have told ourselves for so long that we don't even recognize them as being stories anymore. They're just <laughs> truth, right? right? So mine in particular, and I've written and, you know, uh, talked about this on the podcast, but mine in particular was very simple. It was, quote, this won't work. Mm-hmm. That was my story, which you can imagine how frustrating that is <laughs> to have. When you have on one hand, Richard Branson as your as your patron saint, and then on the other hand, you have this running dialogue and, and yep. uh, you know, of this won't work. So it took me uh, a few years to really get a handle on that. And that's actually why I waited till most recently to even start doing this podcast and the coaching because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure, you know, I wasn't just jumping off with what I thought was the fix. I want to make sure I had some miles under my, you know, under my belt. Yeah. Um, but basically, just to round back to your question, what keeps what kept me stuck when I think keeps a lot of people stuck is is the unwillingness and inability to deal with that discomfort. Right. Yeah. We avoid it. We just try to we try to use positive thinking or try to tell ourselves a nicer story or tell ourselves we're awesome and we got this. And yet that pain is still there. And for me, until I was actually willing and able to lean into that experience and into that pain and, you know, all those things, um, I just kept going in circles because I just 
do something and then quit and do something and quit and on and on and on. Well, that and that that actually seems again like something that applies even more broadly than just entrepreneurs and and people mm-hmm. trying to have a business to to life. So much of life is trying to avoid discomfort. And mm-hmm. that's uh, so how so many of us at least spend a large portion of our lives is just trying to avoid discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I I I actually I've talked about it on the episode I recorded yesterday. I've talked about it in Far earlier episodes, one of my earliest guests, a guy named Kevin Palmieri, who actually also acts as kind of a podcast coach. He's kind of a cool guy. Mm. But he has a great way of putting it when he talks about the different zones of comfort. So mm. there's the comfort zone, say, you know, level one to one to three or four. And then you've got your learning zone that's just above that. Mm. And then above that in the, in the eight, nine, ten, you're into your anxiety zone. And you get into the anxiety zone and you're not to, to talk about one of my other guests who, who talked about the reticular activating system and all the psychological stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, when you're in the anxiety zone, you're certainly not in a frame of mind to take in, assimilate, and act on new information. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. But, but you also want to get out of that comfort zone because nothing is going to happen in that comfort zone. So mm. we all we try to avoid discomfort. We just try and stay there. And there's just no progress that's going to happen. Of course, you're going to go in circles. Of course, yeah. you're going to be right there. But getting into that learning zone and, all right, I'm doing it. I'm okay. Everything's okay. And those zones move around because mm-hmm. as you as you start to expose yourself to some of these things, there. <laughs> And I, I'm not trying to, to, to continue to pitch my podcast to my existing listeners, but <laughs> there's an episode with Scott Harris, who, who was a skydiving instructor. Mm. And he said, look, there, there there's certain kinds of fear that, that, are, that are real. I mean, we're talking about there's, there's rational fear and there's irrational fear. And the rational fear, like when you're about to jump out of an airplane as a skydiver – that is legitimate fear. That is a sign to pay attention to something. We're not mm-hmm. talking about that here. We're talking about the, the the stuff that's in your head that's holding you back from from making a change. Those kind of irrational fears, that false evidence appearing real and all that kind of stuff, those stories that we've told ourselves to circle back. Sto- I mean, stories are powerful. Stories yeah. are stories are, are what so much of us of our of our lives about, and we love a good story. We love to hear <laughs> especially that, our own, <laughs> especially our own, and and of course we're all the the you know the the heroes in our own narrative, even if we're mm-hmm. an anti-hero or 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 some long-suffering uh, Russian novel-type hero <laughs> who's. An, you know. But the 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 stories that we tell ourselves are so powerful. And we've been telling them for so long, like you say, mm. that getting br- breaking through those is, is a difficult task because most of the times we don't realize that we've told ourselves this story, that we crafted this narrative, that we are actually in control of it and, and mm. we just accept it. So how? <laughs> One more time. How do, do we do that? Mm. Well, it's a, a funny that you mentioned skydiving. I'll start out with how it, why you shouldn't do it or how it didn't work for me. And it has to do with skydiving of all things. So all right. another one of my fears, which is a you know reasonable fear, is fear of heights, right? Sure. So, you know, when I've never gone skydiving before about 10 years ago, whatever it was, maybe a little longer, maybe 12 years. 
And um, <clears throat> one of my irrational fears was has always been cold outreach, cold calling, sure. like that, which really butts up against my whole I want to be this awesome salesperson, influencer kind of person. But right? it doesn't matter if that's still a, there's a resistance there, right? Just Huge a, resistance. Yeah. Huge resistance. So I came up one day about 12, 13 years ago with this brilliant plan. And I thought, well, you know, another one of my real just horrendous fears is, is heights. You know, I can't even imagine having jumped out of an airplane. So I say, I know. I will go skydiving. <laughs> and if I can jump out of a plane, then that means picking up the phone and whatever. Like, that's nothing, right? So long story short, I go skydiving. Scariest thing I ever did. I didn't really get to enjoy it because I was just like, you know, a, a bundle of, of just raw nerves the entire time. But I did it, right? Next day, I'm thinking, I got this. Still couldn't make any calls. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, fear of rejection thing is a very personal thing that I can relate to. So um, that's how not to do it, at least. Don't jump out of an airplane, please, unless you really want to do that on its own. What worked for me and what I really advocate just from that personal experience is, is again, leaning into it. So yeah. the, what that looked like for me excuse me, I'm just getting over a little bit of a flu here, so apologize. Oh, no um, how that manifested for me over the last few years was, uh, again, around 2015, learning how to meditate, mind- mindfulness. So, you know, if you're familiar with that or not, it's essentially just, you know, being able to be present with whatever it is that I'm experiencing instead of just being in my head trying to convince myself I shouldn't feel it. And uh, that's basically the battle that was always mm-hmm. going on, right? And there was a book uh, years ago that I read, uh, it's a very popular book by a guy named Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. And there was a new one that just recently came up that was a follow-up to it. And that was really just changed my entire um, frame. I didn't realize that, that this was even a possibility. And the whole thing comes down to he takes yoga and he takes mindfulness and he makes it, he kind of presents it in a very practical, pragmatic way. And I started kind of just, you know, allowing these blockages and these these fears to just start kind of the over time it's almost like exposure therapy right mm-hmm. so the 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 example i use and a lot, a lot of people use is like fear of snakes right you don't just throw somebody into a tub of snakes if they're afraid of snakes right, right. you start out with here's a picture right so it's the same concept right and the difference is you're you know when when if you, for me it was like you know meditation where i'd sit in these kind of uh and i just actually posted about this and put it on the podcast that part four that you were just mentioning it's just a very simple process it's just like okay spend 15 minutes twice a day just sitting and being present with those whatever they are right Right. and it's amazing how resistant we are to just doing that right so like all these things none of this is rocket science there's no like complicated chart or anything like that it's just are you willing to sit there and be present with all that ickiness and all that discomfort. And can you do it on a regular basis when you have control, right? You know, like kind of like, it's almost like practice, you know? And then when you, uh, you know, I use the example of like, if you're to basketball, whatever sport or any kind of skill, if you want to get really good at playing in a game, you're going to take a lot of shots during practice that when it comes to game time, it's just natural. It's muscle memory, right? And the same thing goes for this is the practice when I meditate and I'm just sitting there and experiencing all this, like, you know, whatever it is I'm experiencing that way, when it comes time to, I don't know, do things like be a guest on a podcast that would normally (laughs) sort of spike my anxiety, right? Um, Now, I not only know how to actually deal with that in the moment, but over the last few years, the intensity of that anxiety 
the intensity of that, whatever negative energy, whatever you want to call it, has gone down so much I can't even express, right. you know? So um, what I talk about on the podcast and, and, and you know, uh, I just, you know, really kind of relaunched the coaching. So it's things that I'm going to be uh, helping clients with in the coaching. It's There's no magic sauce to this. I'm not right. a secret sauce where I'm just like, oh, I'm going to tell you one thing and then the next day you're just going to have it licked. It's a practice. It does bring up the question, how many of our obstacles in, in, in get bringing it straight back to, to entrepreneurs, how many mm. of our obstacles in, in running a business, owning a business, being a solopreneur are internal versus external? Because there are a lot mm. of external obstacles that, that happen for sure. But what do you think about that? That's a really good question. It, it reminds me, I was just listening to your episode with Rick uh, Terrian the other day, and he was talking about, or it's a little bit of older episode, but I just listened to it. And he was talking about like, you know, entrepreneurship at, at any age and people yep. that are a little bit older getting into it. And you can imagine they're ones that, you know, I'm, I'm 50, right? I mean, I, I have a lot of stories behind me, right? A lot more than when I was 20. And, you know, you, your conversation with him was interesting. And, and one of the things you were talking about were these things about your your ideas about what entrepreneurship really is, yes. right? And if you think about that, that's an extension of about who you think you really are. So you think about things like uh, imposter syndrome, right? Yep. Who am I? Who am I? And I go through this too, right? <laughs> who am I to coach people? Or who am I to have a podcast about whatever? It's natural, right? Right. The difference, though, is that, you know, it's very hard to think clearly and to be inspired and to be creative when we're absolutely anxious out of our skin, sure. right? So that for me, again, going back, the thing that I need to really tackle was this just overwhelming physical anxiety that I would experience. Because as soon as that would kick up, I just couldn't even think clearly. Right. I couldn't make good decisions because I was just freaked out all the time, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and just kind of whipping back and forth between periods of really inspired, like, oh, this is amazing. It's, you know, when it's in your head, it's great. Right. Right. When it's your idea, it's this perfect little baby. And then when you're about to hit send, it's just like, oh, wait a minute. This is stupid. Right. Yep. So to your question, Personally, I think the internal is really, in my perspective, the majority of it. And that's where most of my the podcast and the work that I want to do is really focused on. It reflects to the outside. So for me, I think of entrepreneurship and, and kind of let's frame it. When I'm thinking entrepreneur, I'm not thinking Richard Branson. I'm thinking somebody who is a, a freelancer, they're a solopreneur, they're, you know, even Rick was talking about he's an engineer or an inventor by, by trade. So he had a few employees, but pretty small, right? That's the majority right. of people that are starting businesses. Um, you know, they're not Elon Musk, right? right. So, um, although the, Elon the, Musk could use a coach. <laughs> I, I listen. I've been calling him. He's so far not responded to any of my calls, but uh, we'll I'll let you know when I get through. Right. Maybe I'll just tweet him. Um, well, I, th th but for 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 for, for I say small business owners yeah. in a, in a mm -hmm. sense, right? For, but for those people, those are the people who desperately need that kind of coaching. Yeah. That 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 need to figure out how to get unstuck. Right? I know my business. I know how to do my little business my my mm -hmm. my my i say little as if anything is is little when it's your life it's our whole but, life yeah 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 <laughs> but you say it, it, and and maybe that's a limiting belief too right of, of you know i'm just small a small potato I'm, I'm i'm just a dude over here doing doing this little thing well stop calling mm -hmm. what you do little stop mm -hmm. stop stop minimizing your contribution to the world but in the sense that you 
it's so easy to be that one person and everything relies on you. Everything's about what's going on in your head. Everything's uh, everything there. There is no backup. There is no, yeah. there is no other, there's no other person uh, generally until you mm-hmm. start to grow. And that can be the biggest, I think, hurdle in, in some ways for, for a lot of people, certainly for me to moving forward and, and getting bigger and doing the things that you want, that you want to do. For me, it is the most important thing is I'm a big believer in personal calling and the idea of what in yoga is called Dharma. Um, you know, the Greeks called it the daemon, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter. It's the inspiration, right? So um, there's a book by uh, Rick Rubin, who's a very famous music producer, coming out in a couple weeks on creativity. And I can't wait for this to come out because he speaks that language, right? So this is just like, I, I'm like, literally, it was at the bookstore on the 1st of January, and they didn't have it available yet. <laughs> so the reason I bring that up is because this is all stuff of you think about whether it's somebody who's a music producer or yourself in film or somebody who's just starting what like might be a little bit more of a like a normal bread and butter business. It's starting with yourself, right? Yeah. So like it goes back to those fears. It goes back to those beliefs. It goes back to whatever those blockages we might experience. Because if we're like in my case, I had inklings of all this my whole career. I knew what I was interested in. I was just scared to death of pursuing it, really, right? right. So I kind of nibbled at it. I did a lot of stuff that I'm very proud of, but I, you know, I, I feel like I could have done a lot more and I could have pushed it, right? So listening to ourselves and being able to quiet our minds enough and quiet wherever you feel that anxiety enough to be able to get some stillness, right? So you can actually pay attention. And this is where the meditation comes into, where you can actually hear whether mm-hmm. you see it in your mind or hear it, whatever it is, right? Everybody's different. But you can actually pay attention and see, this is my voice. This is what I'm inspired to do. Rather than what a lot of people do, unfortunately, especially when it comes to, or particularly when it comes to entrepreneurship, is they look outside of themselves first. Um, great example is content, right? So people want to be like content producers, which is great. Be a content producer. Mm-hmm. But they're but they're creating content about stuff they couldn't care less about because they read something that they can make a ton of money creating content. Like, so you just see a lot of stuff that people yep. don't care about, you know, uh, to me, that's like, fine, go ahead and do that. It's your life. But that's not a very inspiring way to live, right? I'd rather, you know, it be coming from somewhere authentic. I, I get into the, the concept of purpose and mm. and all those big, hairy, amorphous, 30,000-foot view kind of things. What's, mm. your, what's your vision? What's your purpose? What, 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 are your, what, are your, what are your true goals? And all that stuff we think about at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and then weirdly enough yes <laughs> weirdly stop list, stop thinking about later but yeah the, that those kinds of things i i feel like we don't spend enough time thinking about that stuff mm. in, a, in a non-judgmental mm-hmm. <laughs> frame of mind beating uh, yourselves up for having those desire desires and dreams and thinking who the hell are we to yeah yeah and yeah, yeah and and who am i to and i, I i'm not gonna share all all my you know goals for world domination via podcasting <laughs> with my with my listeners here but who am i to to to, to I, i'm nobody i'm mm. this i'm i'm this little guy i'm and then you start putting these things on rather than going after it and being honest with yourself okay that is a goal of mine mm. and am i committed to 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 making that making that happen but so few of us think about those things long enough mm. To, to start to put a 
plan together and and to get down to what would that look like? What would that feel like? And really kind of test those things. Because a lot of the time, I feel like some of our goals are not really our goals. They're other people's. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. You got me riled up here with that. Yep. And, and, and so – I, I, I've said it on this podcast time and time again, and mm. I'm sorry, dear listener, for, for <laughs> all of it. But if you don't have a plan for your life, somebody else is going to have it for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it'll probably be me um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or somebody like me yeah. who's overbearing and, and, and overly confident in their ability to, to think they know what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Which is so, now in the age of influencers on social media is pretty much everybody telling other people what they should do and how they should live and what they, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And those kind of things, right? That, that there, There's a very dangerous word that we've been saying here, which is the word should. And, mm. and, and because that implies all this judgment about the fact that what you're doing right now is not the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it may not mm-hmm. be. But let's not get let's 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 not get into judging that that's bad that's horrible that we do that that we're that we're in this this frame of mind of something that whatever I'm doing is not what is the thing that that needs to be happening and that it's yeah. something else all the time or vice versa that what we are doing is exactly the right thing at all times because you don't necessarily know until you've looked at it later. So should is a is an amorphous concept and one that we probably should, should eliminate. Should get rid from. of, yes. <laughs> no, no irony meant. Well, I, I'm going to interject real quick, and I, I'm going to be in danger of getting real woo-woo here on our conversation. But there's a, related to yoga, and another big influence on, on me over the years has been a book called the Bhagavad Gita, which is, you know, has like thousands of different iterations and commentaries on it. But one in particular is a, a book I want to give, give a shout-out to. Um, it's by a, a guy named Stephen Cope who wrote a book called The Great Work of Your Life, and it's probably my favorite book of all time. And it, it relates to basically this whole concept of the true self, right? Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll have a follow-up conversation about what the self really is, but that's we're not there yet, right? <laughs> but basically, you know, on its surface level, it's like, look, there's a there's a who you really are that's not conditioned through your upbringing and through what other people told you and your fears and you were bullied as a kid or whatever it was, right? There's a part of you that was born with certain proclivities and talents and sure. interests and gifts, and our responsibility according to that frame of like approaching, you know, that you could call it philosophy is our responsibility is to manifest that. Our mm-hmm. responsibility is to that what's called dharma, right? Yep. So uh, you can't do that if you're wrapped up in your own ego about, oh, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to run out of money, uh, whatever, right? Nobody wants to run out of money or look stupid or make a mistake. But the more we're wrapped up in our, our heads about what we're trying to avoid, again, rejection, failure, sure. the less we're able to really trust, look, I have th- – we're all artists, right? right? You're an artist on this podcast. We're all here to create something, right? And we can't create that thing that we're born to create, the business we're – built you know born to build if we're so wrapped up in the shoulds right right we're so wrapped up on well i'm too old i'm too young i'm too whatever right right so sorry i had to interject with my little yoga speech here there's and there's there's another part of it to build off of that which is the comparison game and Mm -hmm. talking about Mm -hmm. social media 
danger, danger, danger. Mm-hmm. That what when when you look at most social media, you're seeing somebody's curated version of of their life. And keep in mind, curated. So somebody has yeah. picked out those moments that show what they want to show to the world. And of course, maybe there's a benefit to doing that for your personal brand story and all those things. And and, mm-hmm. and we all do it. Great, fine, no judgment there, man. But at the same time, don't start comparing your insides to somebody else's curated version of their outsides, Absolutely. because that's all you're seeing. Yeah, and and that's that keeping up with the Joneses thing, it, especially again if you haven't done that internal work of what's your purpose, what what do you value, what what's mm-hmm. actually of meaning to you, what what do you want to do mm-hmm. that that would really bring you bring you joy and pleasure and and enjoyment if you could say. You know, I did that. I, 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 I made that. I helped that guy. I did whatever. What? Once you've done that, and you go, this, this isn't connected to my values. This, that, mm. that's a great way to help pick what projects you take, how hard you push on something, and and how much you put into life. And of course, there are other things that go along with that. If you don't value anything, and you know, maybe you need to have a conversation with some. <laughs> some some other kinds of professionals but yeah we're coming to the end here i've got a couple of questions i try to ask everybody and these can be very general these can be very specific to your exact niche but Mm. what do you think the biggest fallacy is that everybody buys into that's really just horribly overrated that you um that you can come up with the brilliant, correct plan from the beginning and execute it brilliantly and everything's going to work out exactly as you imagine. With right? no changes. <clears throat> With no changes. Uh, you know, back in the day when I started, you know, I, you know, Entrepreneur Magazine, they used to have these like big packet, the binders with like start a business, right? And of course, sure. it all revolved around a business plan, which I'm not anti-business plan, but for most people – you know, A, you don't need a business plan because you're not going to a bank for funding. And B, whatever you write down in this plan, you can might as well throw it out in about three weeks because it's just a starting point. Right. So I think a lot of people back to being stuck, they think, oh, well, A, I don't have this brilliant idea, which is a whole nother topic. But the other thing is, you know, well, I, I don't have the perfect plan. What if it doesn't work? It's not going to work. That's not the point of it. It's all experimentation, right? right? So it's all about these little bets that you're putting out. This podcast of yours was a little bet, right? When you started it, you had an idea. And I'm sure it's very different now in a lot of its (laughs) details, right? Same for me. You mentioned my podcast. I have done three prior to this, right? right? Starting at the pandemic or at the beginning of pandemic. So I was just experimenting with a lot of different things, right? So that's, I think, the thing to let go of is just really like, you know, oh, I have to have this brilliant plan. And unless I know all the answers that I can't get started, let right. that go because you're not going to have it. And even if you think you have it, you're going to be shocked to find out that most of it is out the door. But yep. the beauty of it is it gets you started. And once you start doing things, putting things out in the world, now you start getting feedback. You start getting information that you can start acting on. Yes. And that's a great piece of advice, which is get started, please. Get started small. Smallest viable product, as they say, right? Minimal viable product, whatever it's called, right? Just start with what you can. And that the good news is like what what what, uh, Rick was talking about the other day, you know, on your podcast was, you know, for most of these people, you have experience, right? You you can do something. Start with that, right? Yes, 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 yes. So conversely, what is underrated? What are people missing? 
Mm. What, what do we need more of? Well, I'm a bit biased because of my, most of my profession is involved in selling and marketing, but I think sales and marketing skills are highly undervalued. And I think primarily, at least in the last 10, 15 years, because there's been this push toward inbound, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people starting business have been told that, you know, and, and plenty of people have built very successful companies and businesses doing this. So I'm not poo-pooing it in any way. But where, you know, um, it's all about creating the personal brand, but then you create stuff on Facebook or whatever you're doing and people will come find you and, and yet. Yeah. But you still have to understand how to write your whatever your copy is on your website. How are you ref- how are you taking what you do, the problem you solve and how are you relating it to a particular group of people and the terms they care about? Right. That's marketing. Selling. How can you, you know. Uh, you know, reach out to people. What are you going to write? You know, to, if you're afraid to do that, like I am slash was, right? It's always still an anxiety for me to reach sure. reach out to people cold. Um, what are you going to write in the email? What are you going to say on the phone or Zoom? Whatever, you know, these are all, I think, key skills that if you think about that plus your professional skill, right? So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, whatever it happens to be, I think those two together, all the other stuff, you know, legal like you know setting up an llc and all that other like that you can figure out that there's right. not a big mystery around that right right but the internet uh, can I, teach you that very quickly or somebody can do it you can do it for right. now like 50 bucks whatever right. it is you know you can get that stuff handled that's not like you know again going back to the old entrepreneur packets you know they, it was like three, three chapters about setting it up uh setting up an s corp you know right eh, okay fine but that's not what's really holding people back <laughs> The S corp issue. You know? Yeah, no, and 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 again, that's that's the kind of stuff you definitely should consider delegating or figuring out mm. very quickly yes. and moving yep. on, because moving that on. that's the again that's not that's not what's really unless you want to obsess over it, and then and it gives people that, a nice reason to do that, doesn't it? When they have yeah. to spend, I, I I you know years ago, I, I had a friend of mine that was obsessing about their logo for oh, months. Yeah. Who cares? It's, you know, the logo's nice. Have a logo, get a logo, but don't wait nine months to start. You know what I mean? Because right. you're waiting for somebody. Like, well, we have that problem in the movie business that mm-hmm. people go, well, I, I'm, I'm getting my getting my outline right before I write my screenplay and I'm getting uh, my, my this and yeah. I've got to do more research. Mm-hmm. And I've got and it's And this is all as Stephen Pressfield, who's brilliant at. Uh, I love of, Stephen Pressfield. Sorry. So, so <laughs> yeah. Stephen Pressfield is brilliant. Yeah. At, at, and and if anybody has not read The War of Art, they should pick it up right away. Please do immediately. Yes. Yes. But but Pressfield's great at 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 crystallizing the 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 resistance as he calls mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Those things that 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 put you anywhere and calling it what it is, which is. Yeah. It's resistance. That that voice inside your head, it's resistance. That thing that tells you yep. you can't write, it's resistance. And and needing to and, and obsessing over your logo or your outline for, for, for months on end, that is all resistance from actually mm. doing the work. Mm. And just get into it and 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 go. And you've got you might fail. It might go poorly, but you'll learn something. Yeah. And it'll be fine. And you'll Get on with your life and continue doing it because the only way is to get your reps in and and continue on. You might write a bad sentence. I don't care. And his story, speaking of Stevens Pressfield, a you know that that book, uh, The War of Art, is is really the the kind of genesis of this whole journey for me. That that really opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff uh, when it first came up. 
And uh, he just wrote actually an autobiography that just came out. That it's called Government Cheese, which is all his story about how he spent decades hitting up against resistance. Yeah. He's a very, for people who don't know him, he's a very, very successful novelist now. So yeah. he's made it, right? And, um, but, you know, he had, he worked really hard for a very long time, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff other than writing books. <laughs> and so he's, he's a great expert at that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's, uh, uh, having read everything of his, I have not read the government cheese thing yet. That's so brand. It's brand new. I haven't even read it yet. But okay. he talks about a lot of stuff that he, you know, he mentions in in War of Art and and you know. But well, yeah, I, these are good examples for people, though, right? When they read yes. books like that and they say, "Wait a minute, here's this guy that speaks that language that went through it." He yes, didn't, you know. Yes. He's not Richard and, Branson, who was like a billionaire by the time he was 30 or whatever right. it was. And you by know? some stroke of luck. Well, that's, I think there's one more thing before we close the episode out mm. the, of, of kind of life lesson number 3,278. <laughs> the, the, the fact is so often we look at other people. And mm-hmm. we, we, we believe that they just came out that way, that they were, that they dropped onto this planet from somewhere mm-hmm. else. Perfectly formed and knowing everything that they know and that they never struggled and they never did. And, and maybe, maybe there's the occasional person who just caught that stroke of luck early. Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriter is kind of oh, one of yeah. those people in a sense yeah. because he never has really had to work for anybody else but himself. He's never had to rewrite somebody else's material. He's just been, he's written his own stuff. And that's rare for a writer in yes, Hollywood, very, especially. Very rare. Yeah. To, to, to not have had to kind of, struggling with this stuff, he, he, he caught a break. But still, it's not that he didn't struggle. He was writing A Few Good Men on the back of cocktail napkins while being a bartender in a New York theater. So don't say that even those people had to hone their craft, had to get into these moments and, and you know, have a lot of things that weren't uh, what they what they ended up what they ended up doing with their lives. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me. Folks, if you want to know more about Marcus, check out the Work Self Light podcast at WorkSelfLight.com. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. And also follow him on LinkedIn. Links are in the show notes as always. Until next time, I'm Andrew Wallace, and we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity. 